0: Take your Bibles, please, and join me in John chapter 15, as we continue our journey through the gospel according to John on Sunday mornings. John chapter 15, we'll begin this morning by reading verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the true vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch." And is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I would never suggest to minimize any portion of Scripture, but this is such a great passage. This is such a great portion of Scripture that we're in right now. We see how God invests Himself in us. He is concerned about us and our growth. And that's a major difference from religion. Religions are you constantly working your way up in hopes that one day it all works out in the end? But true Christianity is God working in us as we have become partakers of who He is and we can draw from Him. Last week I attempted to show how Jesus was making a distinction between salvation and sanctification. I don't have time to recap all that properly. If you missed it, just listen to it again. But it's such a critical point to understand. But in short, I would just remind you that there are branches which claim to be in Christ, but they are really none of His. They profess to know God, but God doesn't know them. For those who are struggling with the teaching of eternal security, let me give you another thought I did not mention last week because I really didn't want to get ahead of our text. Notice that Jesus said in verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. The question obviously is, are these saved people who have lost their salvation because they weren't producing fruit? Well, notice in verse 6, and we're going to look at that verse closer later on today, but if you notice in verse 6 that these branches are those that are gathered and they're cast into the fire. Um, That's language of God's wrath. Are you with me? Being cast into the fire. And we know that if these branches are being cast into the fire, they are not in Christ. But we also know the Bible says that God's children are not appointed unto wrath. So how do you get cast out of God's family once you're born again you're born once you were born into this world you were born you couldn't be unborn and and Jesus says you must be born again you say okay I've done that then how do you get unborn from that how do I get cast out of God's family Jesus said in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus says in our text that every branch which does not abide in him does not bear fruit, and that branch is cast out into the fire and burned. So either we have to conclude that those branches were never saved to begin with, or we have to conclude that God is a liar. And we know God cannot lie. Now... Not to mention here, how do we explain away eternal life? It's eternal. Once you're saved, we're saved. Amen. Remember from last week that those who are not in the vine cannot bear real fruit. If you're not connected to the vine, you can't produce fruit. Isn't that right? Right? If you're in Christ, then it'll show by the fruit that you bear. And those who are in the vine can't help but bear fruit, because you're hooked up to the source. You will bear fruit to some extent. Remember, God used He uses different methods to purge us. He wants to conform us into His image. He does so by taking away things which are dead weight in our lives. He changes us and transforms us. He. Uses His Word to do that we talked about last week. He uses chastisement in our life. He uses circumstances. And as Karen just saying, He uses thorns in our life. He wants us to always remember that we are dependent upon Him. Amen. Now, don't fight the process. But give yourself to it. You say it's painful. I know, but you're going to bear much fruit. Stay with it. Let God cut away what needs to be cut away. The bottom line last week was don't confuse salvation and sanctification. We are positionally clean before God through His Word in verse 3. Uh, We are saved through the blood of Christ. We're good, but we still need to be cleansed as we live this life in the flesh in this world below. We're still not perfect, but we're in the process of becoming perfect. And one day we will be in glory. And so we're, we're, we're in the process of sanctification. What I was trying to teach last week is really what The message was in John chapter 13, when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And remember, he goes to Peter, he's going to wash his feet. And Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus replied to that, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part in me. Well, then Peter says, well, in that case, just wash all of me. And, And Jesus said, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet but is clean every whit, and you are clean. In other words, what Jesus was saying to Peter is, you're clean through salvation. I don't need to clean you all over again. I just need to clean your feet because you pick up sin as you walk in this world and your feet get dirty and we've got to have our sins cleansed every day. Amen. And we've got to keep a short account with God. I heard preachers say, keep a short list with God. Every night, confess the sins. And uh, anyway, Jesus said, I don't have to clean, clean you all over again. I just need to clean your feet. And so it's the same message here in John chapter 15, verses 2 and 3. In verse 3, you are clean through salvation. But in verse 2, I have to clean you or purge you. It's the same Greek word, by the way, for clean and purge. I have to clean you as you grow in the vine. I have to continually keep working on you. And God's still working on me. Amen? I don't know if He's still working on you, but I have not arrived. And I wish I was much better and further along than I am. But God is still working on me. Let's get to today's message, please. Look at verses 4 through 6. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned." Now, a vine does not need branches to live, but branches need the vine. Amen. Have you ever seen grape vines for sale at the store? Many times it's just this stump. It doesn't even have branches on it yet. And I'm looking at this thing going, you want me to buy that? It looks like this microphone. (laughs) And it's got no branch, but it will. It's going to grow. It's going to get branches. The vine is alive without the branches, Christ is alive without us, but we're not alive without Him. We have to be grafted into Christ in order for us to receive the life from Christ. We're the ones who need the life. Being a Christian is being a branch in a vine, which is cared for by the Father. He's called the husbandman. It's finding life in Christ. We often answer the question, what is a Christian with the answer? It's one who has placed their faith and trust in Christ. And by the way, that's true. But it's not faith in a historical message. It's not faith in a man who was here. It's more than that. Uh, It's faith in in the living God. We don't just believe in a historical person named Jesus. He dwells within the believer. And we know that He's real. And so, uh, it's more than just that. We're alive. He's alive. We're bearing fruit. We're showing that we're, we're part of Christ. And see, you can find somebody who believes in any historical figure, but they may not look like it. But somebody who says, I believe in Christ, and believes beyond just somebody who lived, man, they're going to start looking like it. They're going to start bearing fruit. They're going to start being conformed. They're going to start being purged. They're going to start looking like a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about you got to wear a suit. Y'all know by now, I hate wearing a suit. You say, why do you do it? I guess I'm just too scared. Jesus said in the Old Testament, the high priest had to dress a certain way, and I'm just trying to dress a certain way. I I may get to heaven and God says, you didn't have to do all that. And I'll say, well, Lord, it would have been nice if you told me that before I did it. But anyway, where am I at? Um, God... He's the husbandman. He's the vine dresser. He's the keeper of the garden. He's the one who makes sure that I'm cared for. He's active in my life. You see, this is what separates us from religion. He's active in my life. Christ is the true vine. He's the one who gives me life. We are branches in Him. And our life as a Christian cannot be apart from Him. Now, what's my responsibility? We're to bear fruit. We're to be fruit-bearing Christians. I mentioned last week some fruits. What are some fruits of the Bible? I mentioned these like the Bible speaks of the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of our lips giving thanks and praise to God. Remember, John the Baptist baptizing at the River Jordan said, Bring forth fruits, therefore meat for repentance. There's fruits of repentance. There's fruits of holiness that are mentioned. And upon inspection of your life, listen to me now. Is there any fruit? As God inspects your life, is there any fruit? Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. Galatians 5, through 24 say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith... Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And I would also suggest that bearing fruit is us seeing people come to Christ for salvation. Yep. Bearing fruit. Amen. Because inside of that fruit, there are seeds. Right? We produce seed. And there ought to be other plants growing up that are like us. There, we ought to be seeing people come to know Christ as their Savior. We are to produce fruit which can only come by being connected to the vine. Amen. When's the last time you told someone about their need for Christ? When's the last time? When's the last time you talked to a coworker and you told them about their need for salvation? Uh, Maybe a family member. When's the last time? Are you bearing fruit this morning? Listen to this verse. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Do you exhibit these kinds of fruits? Has there been repentance in your life? Is there righteousness? Is there giving thanks and praise to God? Is there holiness? Do you have the fruits of the Spirit Are there souls for Christ? When God inspects your life, what kind of fruit will He find? So what does it look like to abide in Christ? It's being fruitful. It's being a fruit-bearing Christian. And verse 4 makes it clear that you cannot bear fruit of yourself. You cannot bear fruit outside of Christ. He's going to say, for without me, ye can do nothing. And so we cannot do this apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that we bear fruit, we have to be in the vine, be in Christ, is re-emphasized in verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So we see that God not only wants us to bear fruit, but He wants us to bear much fruit. He wants us to go beyond just... This nominal Christianity. But He wants us to go on to be fruit-bearing Christians where we're, we're exhibiting the things of Christ, but we're also leading a lost world to Jesus. We can't save anybody, but we can point them there. Are you doing that? We can't bring about change in our own life on our own. God has to bring about the change in our life as we are in Christ. The fruits that we've talked about, they cannot come through our own power because we're all sinners. The Bible says man at his best state is altogether vanity. It's emptiness. We can't do this. We must be abiding in the vine in order to be changed and purged. Now, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Because if it isn't salvation, then what is it? Well, it means to continue. Now, don't overthink this text. Don't overcomplicate it because you're going to get to verse 6 and you're going to think, wait a minute, I thought you said you can't lose your salvation. But notice carefully the wording in verse 6. If a man abide not in me. Then you have to notice how our Lord uses the word ye in the verses surrounding this verse. In verse 4, Ye abide in Me. Verse 5, Ye are the branches. Verse 7, Ye abide in Me. But in verse 6 He says, If a man abide not in Me. Do you notice the shift? He doesn't say, If ye abide not in Me. There's a clear distinction here. Jesus shifts from addressing ye, or the remaining eleven disciples, but He is now speaking about those who profess to be in Him. And they, there may be a reference even here to Judas Iscariot in verse 6. Somebody who, he looked like a branch. He pretended to be one of them. But he's on his way right now to go portray Christ. So you see the idea, get this now, the idea of a fruitless Christian is an oxymoron. Christians bear fruit. To be made alive in Christ, to be in the vine, and then to produce nothing but deadness cannot happen. He's illustrating that for one to make the claim that they are in the vine, but not producing fruit, it's impossible. I thought about a Christmas tree, which I absolutely hate. Amen why we put a tree in our house that... Anyway, whatever. You go to the tree lot. You pick out a tree. It looks alive. It looks green. It is green. You can see that, that it looks alive. And as you look at the tree, and you kind of tilt it this way, you notice it's been severed from the roots. It's not part of the system that keeps it alive any longer. It gives you the appearance that it's alive because it's green. But the appearance of that life will fade in time. It'll start to dry out. Needles will start to fall out more and more easily as it's barely touched, as it's barely shaken up, and it'll eventually turn brown. Why? Because its life has been connected From the root system. It's no longer a part of the source of its life. You can put that tree in a tree stand. You can put water in it. And it can drink up water for a time. You can even put pretty lights on it. You can decorate it. And man, it looks good. But it's dead. And it ain't going to last much longer. Eventually... It's going to be known. You can keep that thing up in your house from Thanksgiving to New Year. Never understood that one either. Now, all you're doing with a Christmas tree is you're delaying the inevitable. The ultimate death of that tree. It cannot have life anymore. And that's how some people are. They look alive for a season. They have green needles and they look full. They look good with all the lights and the ornaments that's upon them. Are you all with me this morning? Man, some of you need to get saved. It's written all over your face. You, you look like a tree that's connected to the root system. You got the ornaments, you got the lights, you got the greenery. Somebody's even giving you a little bit of water and you look alive. But in reality, you've been severed from the life system. You've never been hooked up to the roots. And therefore, you've never really produced fruit. There are those who will come in here for a season and they profess to be in Christ. They've been baptized. They've joined the church. They appear to be all in. They come to all the services. They say they're reading their Bible. Maybe they even work at the press or some other area in the church, but then all of a sudden, dryness begins to show in their life. When they're barely shaken in life, when just a little bit of a storm comes into their life, needles begin to fall all around them to the ground. And then you can see underneath the bow, wait a minute, you've never even been hooked up to life. That's what verse 6 is to me. Now what carries more weight... The claim that you have new life or the examination of that life. The proof after examination is always greater than the claim. People can claim anything they want. The worker on the tree lot can try to convince you all day long that that Christmas tree is alive, but you know that it isn't. It's not in the roots, it's been cast off. And so faith without works is dead. You can say you're in all you want, but where's the fruit? So back to the emphasis here in this text. If abide in me means to continue, then what must we continue in in order to bear fruit? Now, I want to try to be a help, of, to, a help to you today, so I just want to give you a few things. Bearing fruit in Christ doesn't mean you have to have some mystical experience. You don't have to have a big emotional experience to bear fruit. Your spirituality isn't based upon acting like me in church. Sometimes I get excited. Sometimes I get really excited. Put me back in a church in the South and I get really, really excited because everybody else is acting like that. That's not bearing fruit. So how do we continue in Christ so that we can bear much fruit? Well, how did you get in Christ to begin with? You did so by being born again by the Spirit of God. It wasn't anything you could do. But it was all a work by Him. You just came to Him in faith and accepted the free gift of salvation. I would first suggest to you that in order to bear fruit, you need to continue in the doctrine which saved you to begin with. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Listen this morning, you cannot improve upon Christ. But people want you to believe that you can, that you can add works to it, that you can add this and add that. But don't add to it. You can't improve upon Christ. You can't improve his crucifixion. You can't improve his blood. You can't improve his resurrection. And you can't improve his ascension. But your fruit bearing will be hindered if you get caught up in false doctrine. We see this in the epistle to the Galatians. Some Judaizers showed up, and they began to convince those in Galatia that, hey, in order for you to really be saved, you need to be circumcised. And it caused confusion, and it stifled growth. 1 John 2.24 says, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Now, the word abide, remain, and continue are all the same Greek word. Continue in the word which you heard from the beginning. That which you heard when you were saved to begin with, don't let that go. Don't let somebody in and try to convince you otherwise. You hang on to that. Not only do we need to continue in doctrine, but we need to continue in obedience. It's a continual act of abiding in obedience to God. It's Listen now, get this please. It's an attitude of giving over my life to the Lord. It's me saying I will do the revealed will of God for my life. That God has shown me what is right and wrong. And I will obey that. That I might abide in Him. It's giving up your life. So that you can obey God as the living sacrifice. It's giving up your will. To seek His will. It's giving up your glory. That you might live for His glory. It's you giving up your life. This is what it means to abide in Christ. Because if you're going to get hooked up to the vine, you can't help but to produce what it was you got hooked up with. That's what it means to abide. A continual way of life. Maintaining union and communion with Christ. Just like a branch in the vine. Not only is there abiding in doctrine and obedience, but in verse 7, we are to abide in His Word. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. It's an educational thing we're talking about here. Where His Word abides in us. We're to continue in the Word of God. John 8.31 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples indeed. I'd ask you this morning, are you learning the Bible? Are you learning God's Word? There's an old saying that God's Word will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from God's Word. If you're not continuing to learn from Him, then you'll be at the place where you just start going through the motions of Christianity. You show up because that's what you do. And in some cases, you even check the box and read it, but it ain't getting in you. And so, abiding is continuing to grow in your knowledge of the book, in your knowledge of God. That's what the Apostle Paul wanted that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And here's the deal you can't continue in what you don't know. That's free, amen. You have to study, you have to always be growing. It's a lifelong process of abiding in the vine. And it's interesting to me because some people will say this. Yeah, I read the Bible once. And it's like it said, like, that was enough. I read it once. Oh, well, I guess you got it all figured out then. But it's a living book. And each time you come to the Word of God, it's alive. It can speak to you. And the same verse may speak to you differently than it did before. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We also see in verse 9 that we are to continue in the love of Christ. The Bible says As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. This is what shows us to be His disciples. This is what proves that we are in Christ when we have love for the brethren. How's your love for Christ and the family of God this morning? In verse 10, we see that our love is manifested for Christ in how we keep His commandments. It says there, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even if I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Are you obeying the commands of God found in His Word? This is how you know whether or not you're abiding in Christ. This is how you continue to grow. But if there's obstinacy to His commands, growth will be hindered. If deceit has somehow entered in and you deceive yourself about God's commands, then your growth will be hindered. You'll be stifled. Meaning that you can look at a command in the Bible and say, well, that doesn't really apply to me. You say, well, I would never do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How many young people have said, I know fornication is wrong, but that doesn't really apply to me. Come on now. You see what I'm saying? We can be guilty of it. We're not keeping His commandments when we try to say, I can live this way and it's okay before God. That's what's happening today. Ken and I were talking about the progressive movement. That's what's happening. That somehow Christianity is progressive and the things that God said were wrong back there are now all of a sudden okay here. Last I checked, the Bible says he never changes. Amen. Amen. And so we can't do that. We can't say that we're keeping his commands, that we're abiding in his love, and that we're abiding in the vine when we scoff at some of the commands. Maybe you're just being obstinate about it. You know what the command is, and you know it to be true, but you flat out refuse to obey it anyway. Well, you're obviously not keeping his commandments. And I know this sounds simple, but you might be surprised how many complain that their Christian life is fruitless. That they're unhappy. That they're depressed. And it's simply because people refuse to yield to God's commands. They stop abiding in Him. And what some people try to do is give you shortcuts around the cross. And they try to tell you, well, you know what? Why don't you just try reading this book? And some religions will tell you, you know what you can do? You can just pray this prayer about ten times. You'll be absolved of your sin. You can do this and you can do that, but you know what the Bible says? You've got to go through the cross. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross daily and follow me. You've got to be crucified to self. Don't take the shortcut. There is none. So we are to continue in doctrine, obedience, his word, the love of Christ and his commandments. And I'm sure there's much more we could add to this. But if you will abide in him, then we see in verse 11 that we can experience joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who are joyous in Christ are those who are abiding in Christ. But those who refuse to abide are those who don't grow. And they never go on to bear fruit, much less much fruit. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon wrote. Communion with Christ is a certain cure for every ill. We could stop right there. He went on to write, live near to Jesus, Christian. And it is matter of secondary importance whether thou livest on the mountain of honor or in the valley of humiliation. Living near to Jesus, thou art covered with the wings of God. And underneath thee are the everlasting arms. Let nothing keep thee from the hallowed intercourse, which is the choice privilege of a soul wedded to the well-beloved. Be not content with an interview now and then, but seek always to retain his company. For only in his presence hast thou either comfort or safety. Jesus should not be unto us a friend who calls upon, who we call upon every now and then, but one with whom we walk evermore, abiding in Christ. I love teens. You'll remember the message that Johnny Daniels gave up at Custer at the Winter Youth Rally. I love that message. He talked about how you get away from God. And and that's, that's what this passage is saying. We have to just stay With the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you abiding in Christ today? When God inspects your life. Does he find fruit? Maybe you've never been grafted into the vine. Then you need to be born again this morning. You need to become a partaker of who he is. Once we're in. We have an obligation. And that is not to move away. And to allow the Lord to do the rest. We have to let him purge prune, clean, get rid of what is hindering our growth and our fruit bearing. And and let me tell you, this is not a checklist Christianity. We are not a philosophy of beliefs. We are not a set of rules. We are not alive through vain repetitious prayers, but we we have a relationship with Him and can be in union with Him. Ours is a relationship with God Almighty. Maybe you're saved, but you're not growing like you know you need to. You're not producing fruit like you should. Maybe you're not sensing much life anymore. You ever had an arm fall asleep on you? You sleep kind of in the wrong way or something, and you wake up, and there's this just dead weight hanging there. It's like a dead branch. It's just serving no purpose. What do you have to do to that thing? You start kind of shaking it, get the blood flow right. you got to shake it up. And see, some Christians, they just kind of get dead. And you know what they need? They just kind of need to shake that thing up. And God wants to shake you up so that the sap can start making its way back through the branch. Get the blood flowing again. And we need to get shook up in our Christian life. We must stay in a place where we are aware of our great need of abiding in Him. Some people think I'm abiding in Christ because I came to church this morning. I'm glad you're here. But that's not abiding in Christ. That's part of it. But that's not all of it. Amen. I'd like to leave you with this quote from F.B. Meyer. This is so good to me. He said this. The branch which bears the most fruit bows lowest to the ground. (laughs) Yeah, let that sink in. The branch that bears the most fruit bows lowest to the ground. Maybe you just need to come and bow before God once again. Don't get complacent in your Christian life. Let Him work in you and then go on to bear much fruit for His glory. Let's pray.